Hi, my name is Jared Dudley, and you're listening to the Solar Panel, a Phoenix Sun show. Hey, it's Espo, and it's not our normal Wednesday episode. Usually midweek, it's me and the guys sitting here talking about things that have happened this week in the Suns world. But, you know, we thought things were going so well with this team early on that we'd bring the mood down a little bit. As Dave got an exclusive interview with former NBA referee, now I guess you could call him a disgraced referee, Tim Donaghy, who was caught in that gambling scandal a handful of years ago, uh, he came on to talk with Dave about a new movie that he is promoting about the entire scandal and also to reminisce a little bit about how he screwed the Phoenix Suns over uh, in that time period as well during some of those well-remembered uh, Spurs series. So take a listen, enjoy, and uh, if you're a self-loathing Suns fan, uh, get a little miserable with it. So here it is. Dave King and Tim Donaghy. So this is um, this is Dave King with SB Nation, Bright Side of the Sun, and the Solar Panel Podcast. And we are talking to Tim Donaghy, a former NBA referee. Uh, a new movie is coming out called Inside Game on November 1st, and that covers um, Tim as a major character in the movie about uh, betting on NBA games and influencing the outcome of those games. Tim, do you have a couple of words you want to say about the movie coming out? Yeah, I'm excited. I think uh, it's a it's a movie that really has a great message in it about choices and how every character in the in the movie certainly made some poor choices, uh, and not only how it affected us, but how it affected our family. So, uh, I think Inside Game does have a great message for everybody who sees it. So, tell us uh, how true to life is the movie when people go see this. Is it dramatized for the uh, big screen, or is it really, really true to life? I mean, it's true, but it, it certainly is dramatized. I, I think I don't know that Hollywood puts out a movie without spicing <laughs> different things up a little bit. So there's no doubt that they, they spice it up a little bit. But for the most part, uh, you know, it's true when it shows what we did, how we did it, uh, and the pitfalls that we all, uh, you know, were involved in because of what we did. Can you spend a couple of minutes just recapping for folks? It's been since the uh, mid-2000s that this was really big uh, and came out, and I know you've been dealing with it in your whole life ever since, but can you give us a minute or two uh, uh, recapping how uh, what you did and, and uh, the influence you had on the game? Sure. I mean, I was uh, gambling at golf courses, playing cards in locker rooms, and uh, you know, driving down to the casinos and gambling, and, and then spilled over into – uh, you know, gambling on sporting events. And I started to cross lines I shouldn't have been near as an NBA basketball referee. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I really got hooked on gambling and, and started giving people information on the NBA and then eventually uh, NBA games that I officiated. And what I didn't know was the people that I was giving that information to were uh, funneling it to people associated with organized crime. So when I stopped giving them information, uh, a guy came down to the Philadelphia Airport Marriott um, and basically threatened me. Uh, he was associated with the Gambino crime family out in New York and, uh, you know, wanted to continue to get those picks. And, and with that being said, uh, you know, I was hoping to just do it for a couple months and be done with it because I didn't want everything to be exposed to, to the NBA where I would lose my job or worse yet, have somebody go visit my wife and kids in Florida. So, uh, you know, I, I continue to have a, 
a system set up to where I, I would relay picks through Tommy Martino uh, to James Batista so that he could place these bets, and he was making, uh, you know, millions of dollars doing it. Did you uh, – <clears throat> you talked about funneling information and, and, and knowing information about what – what was happening and what refs were covering, what games and things. Did you make calls during games that influenced the outcome of that particular game? No. In fact, the FBI and NBA both did their own internal investigation, and I was never uh, charged with fixing games or uh, doing uh, anything on the court to, to make sure a bet won. Uh, in fact, Phil Scala wrote word for my book, Personal Health, who was the FBI agent on the case and said that I told the truth every turn. So, uh, the book, I, I say that uh, I did things out on the floor within the scope of what the NBA wanted us to do, but I wasn't going there and sending stars to the bench so that any of these bets would win. Okay. Um, so let's. Uh, so I am a, a lifelong Suns fan, a Phoenix Suns fan, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it a little bit to Suns versus Spurs, uh, that game three of the 2007 second round series. Um, you, you covered that game, and the Spurs ended up winning. You did a radio show last week in Phoenix and mentioned that, um, that well, well, you just said that you haven't made, you didn't make calls yourself to influence an outcome of the game. Was that game influenced in any way? Uh, you mentioned Tommy Nunez. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Sure. Tommy Nunez was a group supervisor. He lived in Phoenix. He hated the uh, Suns owner because of the way he berated referees and uh, he was in, in charge of dictating dictating to the referees in that entire series what to call. He loved to go from Phoenix to San Antonio in the nightlight in San Antonio, and uh, he did everything in dictating to the referees what to call and what to look for in that series, and everything was going in favor of San Antonio and seemed to be going in favor of Phoenix. So uh, to me, Phoenix was definitely put at a disadvantage in that series, and uh, you know, their their team that was probably uh, at the time the best in the league and, uh, you know, kind of got the screws put to it a little bit. So uh, you mentioned that, that Sarver, Robert Sarver, had a reputation of berating the officials too much. He was a young, uh, an early owner, like it was the first three years of his ownership. And, um, yeah, we haven't been a huge fans of everything he's done as an owner, to say the least, uh, with the Suns. But can you talk a little bit about his uh, reputation in berating officials and what got Tommy so incensed? Yeah, I think that what happened was is he came in and he saw what Mark Cuban was doing, and uh, I think he was going to take it to a whole new level and just would sit right there on the court and, and scream and yell at the referees all night. And we kind of laughed at him. We thought he was uh, a drunk nut. And, uh, you know, some referees take it <laughs> extremely personal. And, you know, when something can go either way, they're going to make it go against him. And, and that's what a lot of people were doing. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for him, uh, you know, he got on the bad side as soon as he came in of the whole entire officiating staff. Wow. Um, so tell me how common was that in the NBA? We talked about Robert Sarver just now, but um, were there other, like you mentioned, Mark Cuban, um, as, as an aside, were there other coaches, owners, players that the referees kind of didn't like and, and it seemed like that the, uh, it's possible calls went against them for that reason? Oh, definitely. The referees hated Mark Cuban because when they felt that he came into the league, uh, you know, he wanted our workload to increase. He made sure we all had laptop computers. We all were responsible to review games afterwards. Uh, and he constantly called and complained 
to the league office about the officiating and uh you know he made ed rush's job a lot harder and, and ed rush you know hated mark cuban and and he dictated to the referees what to call and and uh how to officiate a lot of games and in that finals i believe uh that there was a problem in 2006 uh you know mm-hmm. was because ed rush was the uh, supervisor of officials and he was dictating uh, what they're called by the referees, and, and I think they stuck at the Dallas in that NBA Finals every chance he got. Do you feel like that uh, still happens today, that there are certain players and coaches that are targeted or at least just disliked as much by the refs that, that they end up getting calls influenced even if it's not conscious? I do. I think when it comes to uh, an opportunity to make something go either way, if you're somebody that's uh, you know been trying to embarrass uh, certain referees, uh, they're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I think there's still some of the veteran referees who, who go out and do that on a nightly basis. And, uh, you know, I see it take place in the games that I watch. Um, are are you aware of any other particular players or coaches you'd like to um, point out as, as having a bad reputation with the refs? You know, it, it's, it's when you embarrass a referee, uh, you know, you're going to get that bad reputation. I mean, when I was uh, involved – uh, the guy that everyone tried to stick it to on a continuous basis was uh, Rashid Wallace or Gary Payton because they were constantly, uh, you know, coming after the officials. And, you know, you see that today with uh, some of the players like LeBron James doesn't really give referees respect. He, he kind of demeans them and makes faces at them. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, is the star in the league. And when he goes to the hole, sometimes uh, you know, he gets the benefit of the call because of him being a star. But some of these referees, when they're upset, they let that easy ticky-tack foul go that other referees give them. Uh, you know, when they go to the basket, they don't call it because of his arrogance. One of the most colorful former Phoenix Suns um, that we've had anyway in the Valley was Charles Barkley back in the 90s. And I know you refed uh, since early 90s, I believe, 1994. Did you start? Yes. Yeah. Um, so what kind of reputation did Charles have with the refs? Charles was tough on our guys. I was fortunate that I fell with him because I knew some people in Philadelphia that, that knew him. But I was very lucky. But Charles was touch, tough on referees because he wanted star treatment that Michael Jordan, that some of these other star players, and if you didn't give it to him, he would make your life miserable. Uh, back then, the preferential treatment was a lot more uh, than what it is today, and, um, you know, those stars expected it. Okay, uh, talk about, like, today. In today's NBA, uh, they're starting to legalize betting on games. Um, and given your background, given your situation, how does that correlate to how, how the game might be influenced today by legalized betting on games? You know, I'm not too sure that the game's actually going to be influenced other than the fact that, I think when you talk about interactive betting and, and being able to place um, bets from the seat of the arena and it being a 20-point blowout, you know, whereas most fans would get up and leave, maybe you're betting on whether James Harden's going to score 20 or 25 points that night and you stay in the seats. I think, uh, you know, interactive betting is going to bring, uh, you know, a lot more revenue to the NBA and to professional sports, and I think it's going to keep the fans engaged a lot longer. Well, that, thank you very much. This is—I I don't want to keep you too long. Um, I do have one more question, and then I'll let you go. 
Um, going back again to a, a Phoenix Suns bent, were any other Phoenix Suns players um, uh, players that that had a had an outsized relationship with referees that you that you recall, you know, either really good or really bad? Yes, Charles Barkley was uh, was buddies with um, Derek Stafford, and uh, a lot of times they went out to dinner with each other and they hung out. And uh, you know, Eddie F. Rush was friends with Michael Jordan. In fact. Um, you know, hooked him up with his mistress that he got caught cheating on his wife with. So there was <laughs> oh, a, you know, a lot of relationships that took place between some referees and some players. And uh, a lot of those relationships, the, the league would hope would stay in a closet. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time today, uh, Tim. Uh, everyone who's listening, I want you to go out and watch that movie Inside Game and get a look inside what actually happened in the, in the mid-2000s. Thank you for your time today, Tim. Thanks for having me.